to Disney Plus plus Ben Plus Friends, which is the name of the podcast that you're listening to. That That's the worst way I could start an episode. It's pretty clear I've taken a month off. Uh, you know, I, I won't get into the weeds too much, but I, you know, we were having some pretty important conversations, I think, as a, as a country, as a world, and uh, I kind of felt like my uh, straight white voice could, you know, just sit out for a little bit. So I stepped back, but now we're back to uh, talk about Something I had never seen before. I, I, I am a big musical theater geek, uh, and yet somehow had opted out of Hamilton. Um, I, I, you know, I don't live in New York, so I definitely didn't see it in, in its initial run. I haven't made it to a tour, and I weirdly just have never listened to the soundtrack. And uh, spoilers, I was missing out. <laughs> uh, so I, I can't wait to talk about this. I'm so excited, and I have two. Two wonderful guests. This is the first time we've ever had returning guests on the pod. I brought back two friends who are are both Hamiltonologists. Ham Hamiltonologists. Uh, first up, uh, he he's the host of MC, co-host of MC Who, and uh, a, a stage actor. So it will be wonderful to get uh, his perspective from that angle as well. Justin Barron, welcome back to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm so excited, and I'm, I'm a big Hamiltonologist. Ham Hamiltonologist. That's right. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait to talk about this with you because you love Hamilton, and I mean, I love Hamilton too. But you've you've loved it for a lot longer. Uh, I've only loved it since July 3rd. So. Uh, I'm 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 new on the bandwagon, and you uh, and, and most of America. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel a little bit less isolated in that regard. And then yeah. uh, also join, returning to the podcast, uh, he, he was on the Star Wars: A New Hope episode, stand-up comic, Hamiltonologist. I, we, we need to pick a thing and stick with it. It's Sean Brandon. <laughs> Welcome back hey! to the podcast. <laughs> hey, it's me. And this is I'm actually really happy to talk about this because this is the first time I've ever felt like a hipster in my entire life. Just all of America <laughs> telling me how great Hamilton is and just that glasses post be like, mm, I've actually been listening to it since late 2015. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've been on since the Hamilton mixtape, actually. Yeah, uh, you guys don't even know. <laughs> I saw Weird Al perform the Hamilton polka on Jimmy Fallon. So <laughs> <laughs> and I already knew all the lyrics when that happened. Uh, oh my gosh! Did you guys see recently? Somebody did the the opening number as the Muppets. Yes. It, oh my gosh! So good. Oh it, no, I did not. It, yeah, like, oh, that's so I'm Alexander good. Hamilton. Immediately after my name this. is Alexander Hamilton. So Just good. you wait. Oh, it's so good. It's Beaker is seen... what like. <laughs> Beaker, Beaker, Beaker. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Way back when it, way back when it first got popular, like in 2016, I guess, uh, they were doing. There was a parody called uh, Bat Alexander Manilton, and it was Batman, uh, oh. Bat Alexander Manilton. I will I have to check called. this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you've never seen it or anyone listening haven't hasn't seen it, I I first kind of got into it when uh, in 2012 when Lin Manuel Miranda performed basically the first song at the White House. Yes. So if you've never seen that, it's it's literally him just in the very early stages of having the idea in his head. And it's just really interesting, A, to see how young Lin-Manuel Miranda was back then, but B, to see just how long this has been percolating in his brain. For sure. 
Yeah. And it was, it was like celebrating Obama's second, uh, second term, I think. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that was, remind me, was that 20 years ago or was that 25 years ago? All right, let's get into the show. Uh, if people listen to their past episodes, the, the Iron Man episode and the uh, Star Wars A New Hope episode, respectively, they probably know you a little bit. So uh, just to refresh them, I've, I've got an icebreaker for you guys. I'm going to ask you each, what is your Disney karaoke jam? If you're out and uh, you're at a karaoke bar and they're like, sorry, bud, we only do uh, we only do Disney. Uh, what a world. First yeah. of all, I'm doing backflips. If someone right. said that to me. Right. Also, yeah. also, there's no coronavirus in this box. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we figured out the cure to coronavirus is only Disney karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what song are you doing at this magical spot, Destin? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm I'm definitely pulling out the big guns and doing uh, out there from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, wow. oh man. That's uh Yeah, that's that's one of my fa- that's probably okay. might be my favorite Disney movie, but since I was a man. kid that's like one of the ones I wanted to Everyone's from the rooftops, this, you know. This has emerged as a Everybody. crazy recurring theme of this show. The the Hunchback episode will have to happen at some point. I've only seen it once in my entire life when I was younger. I didn't care for it. So I have this huge blind spot for it and I I'm excited okay. to revisit this movie. Because I feel like every single episode, somebody shouts out Hunchback. That's awesome. Uh, I was oh kind God. of the same way. My two-year-old stepdaughter put it on, and I was watching three now. She's three now, but we were watching it. Uh, and the stuff with Quasimodo is fantastic. Oh, my God. Frollo's great. The gargoyles are so bad. They're so, <laughs> so bad. Every time they show up, you're like, oh, Jason Alexander, you're still doing Seinfeld at this point. What are you doing, bro? Yes, that's amazing. When they reboot it, let's get Goliath and Bronx and Brooklyn in there. Uh, yes. <laughs> other Disney gargoyles. Uh, Sean, what would you be doing as, as your, your Disney karaoke jam? Uh, well, I'm also pulling out the big guns, uh, and I I would be doing poor unfortunate souls. I it's, love it. Yes. It's right in my range. It's I can totally act it up. It's like my it's my favorite villain song ever. It's my that's my go to song. I love my stepdaughter it. and I sing it in the car all the time. Oh my gosh! Yes, that song rules. That was on um one of the most recent. There's been a thing that has Disney's been doing like a like a it's hard to explain, but basically like a quarantine sing-along montage clip show kind of thing where a bunch of celebrities do stuff, which is like a wonderful way to kill an hour with my four-year-old. And uh, I, I don't mean to talk trash, but Rebel Wilson did, or maybe that's her name. Is that her name? The, who's the chick from Pitch Perfect? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. uh, she did Poor Unfortunate Souls. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not, I try not to be negative on this podcast very much, but she sucked. Like it was like, <laughs> so boring. It's such a great song. There's so many juicy comedy bits. Like it's such a funny song, and yeah, yeah. She, she threw away all of the really good moments. It was a bummer. I Is wish that... it had been you, you instead, Sean. That's what I'm trying yes, to say. Thank you. <laughs> My favorite thing on the first Disney sing along, not to digress too much, but on the first Disney sing along, they had a bunch of celebrities, and every single song there were lyrics so that you could sing along too. Yes. And then all of a sudden, Beyonce shows up. Yeah, and things. I think when you wish around, when you wish upon a star, and the lyrics vanish. Like Beyonce <laughs> is the only one that's like, yeah. everyone, shut up. Beyonce <laughs> singing. You don't get to sing over Queen B. Yes. 
<laughs> Actually, Sean, what a great transition because Beyonce was a major influence for Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton. How's that yeah, for a pivot? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Pivot. Well done. Yes. All right. So today we are going to be talking about Hamilton. We are specifically going to try to talk about, uh, because it's a Disney Plus podcast, the the stage to film, I guess not adaptation, really. It's just a recreation uh, sure. that has recently been released. It was released on July 3rd on Disney Plus. I'm sure that in general, we'll talk about the musical a little bit, and that's absolutely fine. But we are talking about Hamilton. There will be all sorts of spoilers. So if you haven't watched it yet, stop. What you're doing and go watch it it's incredible it's absolutely incredible i i'm hardly gonna have anything but just like boring like it was great to say this whole episode yeah. so uh just a quick rundown this is less interesting than usual because this movie just came out disney plus is not announcing how many people have technically watched it in my everyone. personal the bubble it's everyone. everyone it's everyone, everyone. I, I people like old young everybody yeah. is watching it. Democrat, Republican it, yes it's it is yes. Tiger King but maybe even more I think because I think you know it's it's probably for a slightly uh it is rated PG-13 it's probably for a, a teenager and up audience but I think it it's probably a cool way to introduce um history and hip-hop and a bunch of things to younger kids uh because of the formats and so i i mean i think like almost literally everybody's watching this and they should be because it's a masterpiece i'm just gonna say that over and over again at the point. <laughs> uh, but yes so there you go it, it was a huge critical success everybody loved it all of the critics loved it i couldn't even find like an interesting quote on it because everybody's just like this might literally be the best recreation of a stage musical ever the way it's filmed is incredible it was directed with as somebody who has acted on stage before it really captures the energy and it's amazing so that's the quick rundown is it rocks boring i, I, uh, <laughs> I think if we could real quick ben i just want yes. to add one thing too though please talk, talking about like the um what was happening when, when it came out right so yes. so originally you know i mean talking about the stage play you know uh uh Right, uh, Lin Manuel was coming off of the success of In the Heights, which right. had won the best best uh, musical Tony and everything, and then kind of came on this. Um, and, and we won't talk about what was happening when Hamilton originally came out, but but they had filmed this way back then, like you know, five right. years this ago. This was filmed at three consecutive performances in June of 2016. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they also uh, took a couple off days to film some of the back shots, some of the sweeping shots. Oh, cool! And get camera angles right. to make it actually look like a film. So most awesome. of which is filmed in front of an audience, but there are moments that aren't. Which nice. is the only way you could possibly do that. Otherwise, people are going to be complaining from the audience. Absolutely, <laughs> a camera. absolutely. I've got this camera yeah. guy's ass in my face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I paid six hundred dollars um, for these tickets on StubHub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you won the lottery, right? <laughs> the thing I wanted to mention though is the fact that um, you know this this was supposed to come out in October twenty twenty one. This this filmed release, um, and they pushed it up like you know I guess sixteen months basically. Um, and I I think it's part part in due to coronavirus and to having people stuck at home with nothing to watch and I think it's part in due to the Black Lives Matter movement and yes. wanting to uh to really um kind of ride that wave whether that was the big mouse uh you know <laughs> making that decision probably yeah. uh also on July 4th weekend right <laughs> exactly exactly 
Like um, all things so, Disney, it's probably a mixture of pure capitalism and <laughs> decent intention. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think uh, I had forgotten that, that. You're right, that they pushed it up. A, I had forgotten that it was supposed to be October 2021. I mean, that that is pretty wild. Uh, and I think pretty cool of Disney, uh, you know, maybe a flaw of this podcast is that it, it, it's borderline Disney propaganda. I try not to be, you know, just completely unabashed uh, <laughs> fanboy. But I think that is a pretty cool thing that they, they chose to do. Because I, I, I think that, and I don't want to get into the weeds too much about this, because we're going to talk about this for so long that we should probably just get into it. But I do want to say that there is a little bit of lingering classism that still exists to musical theater specifically broadway because you if you want to see the original cast if you want to get the true uncut version of it you have to live in new york and you have to have enough money to go see it and that's never going to go away that's part of the nature of live theater that that's that's also part of the magic of live theater so if, if you don't catch this fleeting thing it's it, then you didn't get it you know there's uh, this really great movie about uh, improv comedy that's called don't think twice and in it they say part of the experience of of live entertainment is uh and specifically an improv in this instance is it's like flying an airplane that's falling apart as you're flying it and and seeing it if you can land it and i do love the fleeting element of a truly live performance but it's very cool to me that people you know disney plus is like five dollars a month or something like that and so it's like if you spent five dollars and got one month of this you could see this thing that literally cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars to see a couple of years ago and i think it's pretty special to erase that element of uh of classism to it especially for a piece that is so much about erasing classism you know and (laughs) and i i think that that's very cool that that is now part of this movie this musical's legacy so Let's talk well, about it. Real quick on that. Yes. Yes. It didn't used to be that way. I mean, I don't I know I'm I'm older than both of you guys, but sure. I, I remember Les Mis having a stage to film come out. I remember seeing cats that same way. Like this is not a new thing. What it is is it's the best version of that thing. Sure. Um, I've never really understood why every Broadway show didn't do that. I mean, record it in the first year you're doing it and then six years later release it. I could like see this being a paradigm shifting moment in that yeah. regard. I mean, I think right now probably Trey Parker and Matt Stone are going, why did we not do this for Book of Wonder? I, you know, I, yeah. mm-hmm. I hope they did. I hope they did because that musical rules. It probably will not be on Disney Plus. But uh, <laughs> and, and uh, so, we were talking about the elitism. Did you see when they presented the next year, the Tonys, when Trey Parker and Matt Stone presented it and they introduced themselves as the Broadway establishment? Like it's <laughs> They're eating biscotti and drinking Moscato. It's brilliant. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. All right. So what are your favorite parts of Hamilton? What can you guys just not wait to talk about? I I want you guys to go first because you've had so much more time with this. So what, what, what are your favorite things about Hamilton? Well, Justin, have you seen it live? I I have not. My wife. Oh, I'm the only one who's seen it live. Without me. Oh no! This this no. sounds like it was a real fight. <laughs> it's not. It's not her fault. I was actually uh, when Hamilton came on uh, on tour into Kansas City last year. I was doing a show that night. Uh, well, they had a couple of performances, obviously, but uh, my wife got uh, 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 lottery tickets. That's uh, the night. That's tough to be in a be doing yeah. a production while Hamilton is in town. That's like it, uh, it sucked. last it sucked. year. My pop punk band played the same night that Fall Out Boy was in town, and like four <laughs> people came. And I'm sure it's yes. that on uh, yeah times ten. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. So no, I, was... I, I haven't. I haven't seen it live. No. 
Okay. Well, I was asking because my mom gets uh, season tickets to the Broadway shows here. And when, nice. when she showed me the list, I basically told her if I didn't get Hamilton, I was going to burn the house down because <laughs> no one would know what this was without me. I'd literally been listening to the album since it came out in 2016, just over and over and over again. So I have seen it live. And the tour show was essentially the exact same thing. It was the same set, same choreography. Lin-Manuel Miranda in an interview recently said that the best thing about the show is that it's timeless, that they haven't changed anything since they basically finalized it in late 2015. So I had seen what we saw on film before with different actors and very cool man it really does show how good those guys are like i fully enjoyed the the presentation of hamilton that i was given but davi diggs renee yeah. lee's goldsberry uh leslie odom philip sue chris jackson like you that to me was my favorite part was seeing these people know that they're in something that only comes around once in a lifetime and just crushing it like i to me the the most amazing thing about lin-manuel miranda in this show is that if lin-manuel miranda had taken the best role in this show i don't think it would have worked and if he had the ego of a lot of people he would have been like i'm playing burr i'm gonna do this i'm gonna be the star of the show and he recognized his own limitations as a performer and allowed someone else to perform that role. And and to me, Leslie Odom Jr. puts in a performance of a lifetime. He's worth the price of Disney Plus alone just to see that dude sing Wait For It live. Like, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. And I, I think that could be true for, for like, uh, like six to eight of these main actors. I mean, David Diggs, just uh, yeah. in, his, in his small moments, definitely worth the price of admission. Uh, I think... Daddy Diggs, that that uh, I think it's on. It's this, maybe the song's called "Right Hand Man." I know it's when he's asking for more ships. And, and yeah, ships. it's oh my god, and ships. Yeah. And he gets into that kind of like really triplet heavy. It, it yeah. like it reminds me of uh, like Yeezus era Kanye, but like the da 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 like it's unreal. Yeah. It's like well, a superpower. The, like like the first song he Lafayette sings in is is my shot, and he's halfway speaking english like he, he's barely stumbling through english yeah and then when guns and ships hits he's rapping faster than anybody like it's insane like it's just and, a great transition. and i actually read that that in guns and ships that particular rap was added later in the creative process as they realized what a what a truly talented rapper he was like they were like sure this 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 we have we have a guy who has a superpower. Like, it's like if you find out you have a guy that can do like a standing triple backflip, you're like, we have to add that to the choreography. You know, like at yeah. some point he has to do a standing triple backflip. And that's what he does. Like, there's, oh man, unreal. There's one unreal. point in, in Guns and Ships where he clocks in at 19 words in three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Um, that's so What wild. a guy. No, but all of them, I mean, all of them are, are fantastic. And without even getting too into the performances, because I mean, I'll be here for hours. Um, I think, I think my favorite, uh, at least one, one of my hundreds of favorites, uh, things about the show is, is truly, uh, uh, Burr, um, and yep. his descent. Uh, it reminds me, I'm a big, uh, I used to watch Smallville a lot. You guys ever watched Smallville? Yeah. Uh, I actually never did. Hell yeah. No? Premiered on my birthday in the year 2000. 
<laughs> Holy shit, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, uh, you know, Burr reminds me a lot of Lex Luthor uh, from Smallville. And I think that that's one of the strongest things about Smallville too, is just like the descent that you kind of watch this like, this guy who's, you know, he's not a bad guy by any means. He just keeps making these poor decisions. And he's got like these, uh, you know, and so that's kind of, that's, that's Burr for me. And like, they, they truly show you, I mean, Burr is obviously the protagonist of the story, um, but watching him, watching, watching his descent into, uh, into becoming the antagonist in history is, it's, is just phenomenal. It's, it's, it's really so fascinating. I do think it's one of the best elements of the, and, and I like, this is such a boring take, but I just think, I've heard a couple people recently talking about like, man, it's, is, is it one of the best musicals ever? And it's like, yes, it's one of the best musicals ever. The question is, is it be- one of the best pieces of art ever? Like, like right. it, it's, yes, it's like, what, there's no debate that it's one of the four or five best musicals ever. The question is yeah. like, is it better than Starry Night? Is it better than The Great right. Gatsby? Is it better than Abbey Road? That's the question. And I think that Aaron Burr's role in particular is one of the most the way in which he and Hamilton are two sides of the same coin and 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 truly mirror each other i mean it's it, it's truly something that like you you have to start talking about people like shakespeare and leonardo da vinci mm-hmm. in this in this same breath as lin mel miranda when it comes to the patrick way in which mahomes this, yeah. yeah patrick mahomes yeah. yes yeah. uh in which this was seriously and then and the way this was executed because the so, you know, I'm still very new to this, but th- the moment where I realized, and I'm sure everyone has this moment, for me, it was about an hour and a half after I finished watching it the first time, that Hamilton is com- constantly saying, I'm not going to throw away my shot. And then the, f- yeah. the one time he truly throws away his shot is when he dies. And yeah. that, like, yeah. literally the way, the last thing that Aaron Burr says to Hamilton is wait. And, like, that, yeah. that you have these two guys who, like, are the same person, but are, 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 they have different motors. Like they're the same person, but they were sorted into two different Harry Potter houses. And, and like, th- th- that's, I love it. I absolutely well, love the way that they challenge each other, complete each other. And the way that the musical itself causes you to stop and think about that. I, I, I truly think it's, it's a, a marvelous feat. I, 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 it's such an achievement in writing and, directing on every single level this 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 the way in which they are foils to one another that i think you could write an entire book about like a critical analysis of just their relationship and what they stand for in this piece it's unreal yeah and and you know it's not just Burr. what makes Burr so compelling is is he's human and what makes everyone so compelling in this is they're three-dimensional human characters but I want to give credit to, to Lin-Manuel Miranda, too. I mean, Alexander Hamilton is a difficult protagonist to get behind. He sure. used start as there's, this young man. There's a reason very, why he's the founding father that we don't yes, know very much about. There's a reason. Yeah. Bigger, but you're 100% behind him at the, at the beginning of the show. I'm not throwing away my shot. He's making moves. His brashness is very appealing because he's young. It's in the middle of the war. And then all of a sudden, the war's over, and he's still that guy in the trenches he's still that guy in the war and none of this all of this could have been avoided if he had just listened to Burr if he had just waited well right and, not and, and like just he, and 
and he dies because Burr listened to him. Like, like, like yes, Burr but, finally but, acts a little bit like Alexander, 100%. and then he dies. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and it, I know, it, yes, it, some of this it, is like real life, and great, real life played out perfectly in this situation. But yeah. like the way in which real life is translated through this lens is, I, I, I just kept staring at it. I, I mean, like the the first time I watched it. I, I, so I, I've watched it twice since it came out, and I'm probably going to watch it. Honestly, like, I, I will probably watch it again tonight. I can't stop thinking about it. And the first <laughs> time I watched it, there were so many moments where I was just staring at it that I missed, like, huge chunks of, like, actual development and story because I was, like, I was, like, just mouth agape, just staring at it. And it was very much, like, missing the the well you say the expression is missing the forest for the trees but like almost like missing the tree for the forest like like it, it, mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. this crazy thing where i just i zeroed in so hard on aaron burr and alexander hamilton that i missed so much the first time i watched it and i think this is what's really interesting and this is why i'm so glad it came out on on it, you know in a replayable medium is i actually think this is one of the first plays that feels like it was written to be consumed multiple times. I think that traditionally, a lot of live theater is designed so that you watch it the first time you get it because you might not ever see it again. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a very 21st century musical in the sense that I think Lin-Manuel Miranda understands that you are going to be able to consume it over and over again. And you are gonna be able to appreciate all of the nuance and all of the detail. And as a result, he packed so much in there, it's crazy. So yeah. much. <laughs> and, and, and and I mean, him, but also like, you know, Andy Blankenbuehler, the, the choreographer. Um, choreographer I mean, look, looking at, I mean, like, and well, I'll save that for the next yeah. topic. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think uh, uh, the the overall, um, uh, the music, the the styles. I mean, if you if you think about the fact that like we start getting into a little bit of like some some jazziness uh, when the act when act two starts as Absolutely. time has passed. Yep. Um. You know, and we're we're you know we're kind of uh, um, following the the musical journey as well, um, and introducing new elements as new characters come through. And like you said in the beginning too. So I, one one thing. Um, I've actually uh, I have I have actually auditioned for Hamilton. Um. And uh, and obviously did not get in, but uh, but next on the time. audition form <laughs> next time on the <laughs> audition form, uh, uh, and this was way back. I've auditioned a couple times. Um, you know, it, it kind of even says like uh, uh, Hamilton, think Eminem, um, Burr, think uh, who is it? Uh, I think he has Usher uh, on there for Burr. Um, and he kind of like equates oh each gosh. character to like who he was inspired by. Um, and, and in what way you're inspired by them. He was inspired by them to write them into that. These, these characters. Listen, that rules so hard. Listen to track commandments next Dude. to the right. 10 dual commandments. Uh, oh, unquestionably. Yes. He hides Dude. those themes everywhere. Like if you go back and listen, when his son is playing the undo talk, can't you sank? That's the same chord progression as the 10 dual commandments. Right. Everything right. is hidden and there's different meanings in everything they do. It's the first oh play where I would literally tell, if you're listening to this podcast and you've not seen Hamilton, either go on iTunes, go on YouTube if you want to listen to it for free, listen to the show. Essentially, all of the tracks are the show. Listen to the soundtrack before yes. you watch it. Because you'll know what's going, you'll know the words, and you'll be able to see all of the little things 
more clearly. You cannot digest this in one viewing. Like there's so much, you are absolutely right, Ben, there's so much going on that it's, it's unknowable in one view. It is unknowable in one viewing. In a way that musical theater, I, I don't necessarily want to use a blanket statement and say never has been before, but like not not to this degree. There's there's not been say, a major musical theater production that, I mean, even like Miz, which is an, an incredible, beautiful, amazing piece of art and is one of the best musicals of all time. You can take 98% of Les Mis in on the first time. I don't know. Yeah. What, like, well, what percentage of Hamilton do you actually get on the first time? 60%? I, like, it might not even be a majority. It's certainly not a plurality. I, like, I, it, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. I love what uh, you just said, and I, I want you to say what you're going to say, but I just had to sneak this in really fast, that you told me that the Hamilton is based on Eminem. I said to my wife, I know this is boring, and I'm so glad it wasn't Eminem, but I think Eminem would absolutely kill this role. I said that to her. I was like, yeah. I weirdly think Eminem would kill this role. And that's just, I had to sneak that in there because that was the yeah. first time we watched it, that popped in my head was like, man, I could totally, like, I could picture Eminem doing a good job of this. Yeah. Sorry, say what you were going to no. say. I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, Eminem does have, uh, I mean, he, you know, with all his flaws that he has, I think mean, he does have a lyrical mastery that Lin-Manuel truly respects. And he talks about it. I've seen an interview before where he kind of talks about how the turning that phrase, uh, you can see it, Hamilton do it in his rap battles in the second act as well. Um, but uh, what I was going to say, oh shit, what was I going to say? No, I caused you to lose your train uh, of no, thought. I'm so sorry. it was something to do with something. I'll come up with it later. Just Please do. And, and like, honestly, just blurt it out. Like interrupt everything. So I just want to say my favorite part of the whole show is there is a run of three oh. songs. Oh, no, no, say it, say it, yeah, stop. Sorry, okay, sorry. Don't forget your thought, though. No, I won't, I uh, won't. <laughs> all I I've been wanting to talk was... about this since I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> all I was going to say was, uh, yeah, I, I agree that I don't think, um, I don't think a musical has has demanded repeat viewings on such demanded a scale as this. Demanded is the right word. It doesn't just yeah. beg it, it demands it. I will say, uh, uh, at least at least not on this scale, but I do think... You have, uh, you know, things that Schwartz, things that, um, things that Sondheim have done Sondheim uh, in the past. Yep. Um, lyrically, demand uh, repeat listens because of the the nuance and like the, the, the just like just like Lin Manuel does. It has those repeated uh, phrases and melodic, you know, um, structures that that kind of come back and mean something different later, or just one one line uh, uh, like wait or like you know my shot or something like that um uh can have such a different meaning at the end of the you know there are uh, a bunch of songs where like the first chorus it's one thing and then the second chorus it's a very similar but slightly different like in wait for it it's it's death doesn't discriminate life doesn't discriminate i, I or something along those lines and, yeah, and, and yeah, like yeah. each chorus it's just a little bit different paul simon who's like I, my, 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 they, if he seems to thrive when so few survive then god damn it i'm willing to wait for it like yeah, he's yes. there. There, it's through that whole show where his absolutely love it. Incredible. Yeah, Paul Simon's one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Maybe my single favorite if I had to pick. And his his songs are so famous for that. Like the first verse will be like, "When this happens," and then the next chorus will be like, "Because it happened." And then like, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that in this yes. show. And Sondheim yes. does that a lot. And I yeah. definitely can see where that's. I was talking to my dad about this, and my dad is such a funny person because. He's a history major, uh, was a recently retired history teacher, loves history, is a musical theater nerd. And his like favorite genre of music is either like 
super cheesy folk like John Denver or like musical theater. And mm-hmm. he does not, he just doesn't like experience hip hop. Like it's like a total blind spot for him. And when I introduced this to him and was like, you have to watch this. He was like, I, I want to watch it. I'm just like, I'm not sure I'm going to like the music. And he's obsessed with it. He's like now like the absolute biggest fan. And yeah. I think it's because it's a little bit of like spoonful of sugar, you know, like, like there's so much Lin-Manuel Miranda is simultaneously an absolute lover of musical theater and hip hop. And it's both. And if, if it's anything, it's probably a hip hop musical for musical theater lovers more than it is a hip hop musical for hip hop lovers. And so people like, I think part of the success of it is that people like my dad who probably would like hip hop more if he listened to it more often are immediately, there's enough of the language that he's familiar with the, the, and by language, I actually mean like nonverbal language, the, the, the shorthand of musical theater that he, his brain, all of our brains are like this, that, that, you know, if you are exposed to a genre enough, you learn the shorthand and there's enough of Sondheim in there. And then, you know what, there's even bits of Rodgers and Hammerstein in there, you know, like, like Lin-Manuel Miranda is oh, yeah. very aware in the way that Alexander Hamilton is aware of the legacy and, and everything that's coming before it and after it. And I, I think that's amazing. So well, and I also want to add my, my father luckily was able to hear a little bit of it before he passed. My dad was a history teacher, just like Ben's right. dad, but he Besties. was not, he did not have the ever loving uh, appeal of musical theater in his taste. He was very much Fleetwood Mac and rock and roll. He liked, he right. liked that style of music, but I played him. Uh, the first song I played for him was room where it happens. And because, because he was a history nerd, he that sucked him right in. And as soon as he got done, it was like, well, you know, they were the only people in that room, and no one else really knows what. That's, so he. My dad has sent me so many texts over the last yeah. week that are like, well, actually, did you know this? And I'm like, no, I get it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a widespread net. You know, it's casts. I mean, yeah, history. You have music history. You have uh, musical theater. I mean, like, there's so yes. much. And, and like Sean said earlier, you have, like, the Ten Commandments reference. You have a modern, uh, I am the model of a modern major general. You got Gilbert and Sullivan in yeah, there. Yeah, Pirates of there's, Penzance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Jason Robert Brown reference at the end of, uh, of uh, Say No to This. He's got Nobody Needs, Nobody Needs to Know, you know? And that's, like, the... Literally. There's a 1776 reference in this. Yeah, right, yeah. which it, which of course it has to. I mean, this musical can't be written unless it's an, very aware of 1776 and Les Mis. It has to know both of those things exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I also think, uh, along with that, Justin, the woes in, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on which track it is. Are, it's the AOL sign-in. Like, the, it, like he, the Lin-Manuel woo. Miranda, yes, it that's based on the interval of the AOL anybody who's gen z who's listening to this won't even know what i'm talking about but when you used to get on the internet and you had a modem it would make all these weird noises in america online in particular had like and the woes are the exact interval and then manuel miranda (laughs) specifically wrote that in the musical because in his life the first time he felt truly connected to the world at large was when he logged onto the internet and that's why that's in there god that's he is he is a hoarder he's a hoarder in the best way possible he is an absolute hoarder of knowledge so the thing I want to talk about, uh, because this is my podcast, so I'm, I am going to bogart the conversation and say, I think the best part of the entire show, there's a run of three songs that happens in act one where, okay, so I don't necessarily buy this, this uh, I, don't, I don't fully buy this criticism of the show, but if there is one kind of like cynic criticism of the show, it's like 
that it's a little bit millennial schoolhouse rock that like it's a little bit like I'm Ham- Hamilton and I'm here to say the Constitution was really great, you know. And if, if there's a criticism of it, it's I that. thought you were going to bring up the lack of slavery, but no. Uh, yeah, was- so did I, Sean. No, 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 no. Well, I think that that's a sorry. I mean, like structurally, like uh, no, no, no. Yes. You're good. No, no, you're no. Good. I agree. I, yeah, if there is a social criticism, it's that. If there's a criticism of it, like as a functional oh, piece of art, it's probably that. And I think that there is a run of three songs which is helpless, satisfied, and wait for it. Yes. which which deviates so much from that, which I will admit there is a little bit of that in this show. Those three songs in a row, and I, and I guess technically there's a, there's a reprise of the story of tonight in there, but it's really those right. three songs in a row. Right. And it goes full-blown, when the Skylar sisters really get to like truly be introduced as, as characters and not just you know people on the stage, that, uh, it goes Destiny's Child. It, it, has, it has so many different influences being thrown at you and the the way it's staged with the the rewind in in the middle of uh a satisfied all of that turns the musical on its head and mm. I, I i i can't think of an, an example of another musical or like honestly i even struggle to think of a movie where like 15 minutes into it it more radically readjusts your expectations of what you're watching the first time i watched satisfied I, I cried and I didn't cry like in a, oh, my heart is sad. I, I didn't cry like when I watched the first 14 minutes of Up or however long that horrible, oh, <laughs> incredible wow. short film is. I cried Jesus. the way that you cry when you look at the Grand Canyon. I cried because I was like, what I just looked at is just a breathtaking masterpiece. And to, to have consumed it in my lifetime is why I'm alive, you know, and the way that it's staged, every single thing, the, the performance, remind me of the actress's name who plays Angelica. She's she's truly stunning. Renee Elise Goldsberry. Give her all of the money and resources in the world to do whatever creative project she wants next. She's unreal. She is a generational talent. And yeah. to, to witness her s- seamlessly going in and out of rap and singing and acting and the way in which the revolve is is constantly moving as if it's running out of time and the the physical rewind the slow motion slow motion almost always looks so cheesy on stage and it does not look cheesy at all in this moment mm-hmm. I, I i truly I, I cried i had to wipe tears off of my face the only other things i can explain it to is like times where i've just been out in in the rocky mountains and just like been in a moment of like just me and nature and looking at this beautiful thing that exists in the world and I think that those run of three songs, again, uh, Helpless, Satisfied, and Wait For It, those three songs in a row, I went from like, wow, this is as good as people say it is, to somehow this thing that the entire world is obsessed with is even better than people are saying it is. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I just think that that is such an achievement on every level, writing, directing, filming, because look i've seen a lot of attempts to have a stage musical be filmed it's almost always just like one static camera that represents like an avatar in the audience which is like well mm-hmm. that's not even how my eyes perceive things why why did anybody think <laughs> right. that was a good way to direct a musical that's insane it's incredible that run of three songs if, i think they function similarly if you're just listening to the soundtrack if you just have spotify up and you're listening all the way through even just the way those three songs are written redefines yeah. it. It's it's it reminds me of side B of Abbey Road and this sense that 
if you listen to side a of abbey road you've got some of the best rock songs ever written you've got come together you've got uh, i want you she's so heavy you've got uh, here comes the sun you've got octopus's garden most underrated beatles song of all time and side b you have this medley of songs that just absolutely bleed into one another and you don't even realize what's happening suddenly you're like i'm seven songs into side b and i didn't even realize it and that's that's the level of art that's the level of of mastery and works craftsmanship that's happening with that run in, in act one i i'm sorry i talked I for two minutes straight but i just i i just watched this thing i just listened to, i hadn't listened to it i'm sorry i'm late to the party but goodness gracious when i encountered those three songs in a row i my body felt like I was on another plane of existence. There's just not any other way. It was truly a religious experience. It was spiritual. I agree with you. For, for me, I would even go back a little bit further. I think I think Alexander Hamilton as the song, the first song of the show, is a very good song. I think My Shot is a very good song. But for me, the show starts and really becomes something special at A Farmer Refuted, which is when <laughs> the, the guy is doing a message in support of King George. And he goes Samuel through his Seabury. message once, then Alexander Hamilton raps over his message as he's doing the whole the whole thing. And then it's just words from that guy. And it really kind of shows you the arrogance and, and eloquence of Alexander sure. Hamilton, which transitions directly into You'll Be Back, which, which shout out to Jonathan Groff. If we're talking about the things we love in the show, he cannot go unmentioned. He's, he's in the show for 15 minutes and he basically Hannibal lectures the whole thing and steals every yes. moment. Yes, yes. Um, which is a British pop song in the middle of this rap musical, just completely throws it out of the mat, which transitions into Winter's Ball, which is beautiful, right into Helpless. And then and then it just really never loses steam from there. Like, it, it it's incredible how genre hopping it is. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Anthony Ramos. I, he is, in my opinion, the weakest member in the soundtrack. Um, his two roles are the roles that I don't really like. I don't really like John Lawrence or, or Philip Hamilton. Um, but I thought live, his performance was really impressive, especially both of his deaths. Uh, his first death, quote unquote, when they're reading the letter and he's still doing uh, Sing a Song of Freedom. Yes. And then death is Philip Hamilton. I just I just wanted to give him a shout out. He, he impressed me for someone who kind of didn't just listening to him sing. He's a great actor. I I, I do agree yeah. that uh, if you're just listening to the soundtrack, you're not maybe more than anybody else. You're missing out on nuances of his performance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. So the the one the last thing I want to talk about before we move on to the categories, just the ending of this musical is oh, incredible. I feel like I've said the word incredible so many times on this podcast. It's, I, I I hate that I don't have more interesting things to say about this. It's it's like I have to. I feel compelled. I feel actually compelled to talk about this musical and yet I have nothing but just flowery praise for it. The last perhaps 10 minutes, I, I even have difficulty talking about it because of the degree to which I relate to it. And I bet you guys do too as artists and I'm sure all humans do, but I think especially artists will relate to it because I think we're so compelled to, to tell our own stories and to tell other people's stories. And I think that, brilliantly throughout the entire piece there are seeds planted and i didn't realize it really fully until the second view through that this is going to be a major motif but from the point that hamilton is shot and killed on there isn't a single second that goes by where i I truly 
struggle to control myself. So I, I have, I've talked about this, I'm sure on one of my podcasts, but I, I have PTSD, I have general anxiety disorder, and I think about death a lot. Death is one of my primary anxieties. And the idea of thinking about death so much that he's familiar with it, it, think, it seems like a memory that he's so, so familiar with the thought of death that it's almost as if it's already happened to him. The, the moment where he gets shot and the music stops and he references the fact that there's no music and and then the emergence of of Eliza as just so incredibly important to his legacy and what a sacrifice she makes to overcome the horrible things he did to her and the shame and, and, and everything that she, the trauma that he put her through to have that kind of forgiveness and love is so powerful and I, I just, the last minute or two of this, I was weeping. I was funeral crying. I mean, like, I, I think that I cried harder at this than almost anything I've ever watched in my entire life. And it was because I felt so understood and seen. And I just felt, it sounds very hippy dippy nonsense, but I, I truly felt like, connected to the universe and i kind of like i don't know matthew mcconaughey in season one of true detective like time's a flat circle like i just felt truly transcendent and i don't have an interesting thing to say other than the fact that the craftsmanship of that ending the execution the acting performances the singing every single element of it transported me beyond consuming media i wasn't on my couch i i was truly meditative and it was therapeutic especially in the midst of everything that is happening in our world right now that is so stressful and draining it was life affirming and i just think like literally the ideal goal of art manifested i I, again it's just flowery praise i don't really have anything interesting to say about it but i the ending to me maybe you guys have consumed it enough times that you can like distance yourself from it but it almost felt like staring at the sun. Like I, I, it simultaneously is so beautiful and radiant and it like almost hurt to take it in. And I I can't remember the last time I, I guess maybe I have a very personal connection to the film arrival because of things that happened in my life that it probably has been since I watched that movie that I connected to a piece of art, the way that I connected to the ending of Hamilton. And when I watched it the second time, I actually cried harder and actually felt even more that way than I did the first time. And I have a feeling that anytime I watch this, I'm just going to need to plan that like, hey, 10 minutes after you watch this, you're going to be worthless. <laughs> I, I was kind of the same way in, um, in It's Quiet Uptown when, when that hand goes out and grabs An- Alexander Hamilton's hand and you just mm-hmm. hear over the back, forgiveness like right sure sure i mean i was basically madison at the beginning of the next song i was like can we move move back to politics please like i was please yep oh gosh that's a good moment yeah yeah, (laughs) um it's incredible i don't think we can talk about the ending without we we need to discuss one thing so you know i started listening to this show a long time ago on repeat with our friend poncho uh, yep. in a on a in a truck on a tour where we had no radio so literally yes. repeat for hours on hours right it was a great way to kill half of the trip because it's three hours long yeah colorado new yeah. mexico all that stuff yeah and um but and so i knew this show front to end for years and i know every lyric and all that stuff right like many do and 
it wasn't until last week when I watched it, um, there was a new moment for me. Um, and that, that's not to say that there's there's new, obviously, every time I listen, there's something new and there's obviously just the the, the movement and the staging is all very new. But like a but, truly new moment, like like something new to to hold on to. Yeah. Right. And and it's 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 not in the soundtrack. Uh, but that final moment with Eliza um, where she gasps at the yes. end. Right. Oh, my and gosh. That was a secret that they kept off the soundtrack. And that was just for people watching live. Uh, Thomas Kale had said, the director, um, and, you know, everybody has, like, a different interpretation on what that means and how what that is, um, but I don't know about you guys, when I saw it, my first, well, first, my first thought was, what the hell? <laughs> uh, what, a, what a jarring moment. It really pulls me out of the show, and then, you know, I sat with it for a while, and I thought, oh, well, maybe that's the point, um, and, and, uh, uh, and then I, you know, I started thinking, you know, what 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 is what is she seeing there? Because it's not it's not death. We've already talked about the death thing. It's not, you know, what is what is she seeing? Is she seeing heaven? Is she seeing? Um, but I actually saw a great video, and I it's gone viral, so I'm not sure if you guys have seen it as, as well. But um, it it it's one person's interpretation of of what it is, and I think this is now my favorite interpretation as well. Um, but uh, you know, there's a moment, and if you go back and watch. Uh, on your next watch tonight, Ben, check this out. But, um, <laughs> As but I'm Lynn... wiping tears off of my face, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Lynn Hamilton, um, there's there's a moment where they, at the, at the end there when they're finishing the show and he comes out and she comes out and they look at each other and then they pass by each other yes. and his, his, his physicality shifts just the hair. And it's um, this person's interpretation is he's no longer Hamilton. He is now the actor, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, and he is taking Eliza's hand because they've been saying this whole time. We're waiting in the wings for you. This yep. is your story and everything. And he literally, Lynn is now telling her story and he takes her by the hand and he shows her the edge, you know, breaking that fourth wall, showing her the audience. And that's what she's gasping at is, is the audience uh, yep. in front of her. Her story has been told. His story has been told, magnified for bit millions of people to, to watch. Uh, okay. And, and that is truly a gasp worthy yeah. of of what she has performed there. Because I was like, that's not a gasp when you see death. I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> right. I like I like that interpretation a lot. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's actually really beautiful. Also, um, I don't know if you guys have done the deep dive on the imagery of death in Hamilton. You were bringing that up a little bit, Ben. But um, I believe the actress's name is Sasha Hutchins. She is the actress who's the bullet. when Yes, Hamilton yes. Died. Um, her first appearance, she is the protester of the Boston Massacre at the end of You'll Be Back. She's the first person killed on stage. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Subsequently, from that moment on, every time she has a personal interaction with someone, that person dies or that thing is done. So she's the yeah. person who oh, gives wow. the message to King George and tells him that John Adams is in charge, and then Hamilton's kicked out of uh, Secretary of State. She's the last person to interact with John Lawrence of when you see him on stage, and then he is he's dead. She's the person that uh, Philip Hamilton is flirting with, and then the next moment he's shot in the sure. I mean, the yeah. whole show. She's basically representing impending death and impending doom, and she's only blocked as that bullet when Eliza steps in front of her. It's the, yeah. it's the deflection of the bullet in the fact that Hamilton's name is going to be kept alive and his story is going to be kept alive because of Eliza. 
and it makes that moment that that Justin was talking about of her seeing that mission in her life fulfilled that that gas really takes on the meaning that they want it to have. That's awesome. That she finds out in that moment that she succeeded, that she did what she set out to do. She fulfilled a promise to the love of her life. And it's just, I'm getting choked up just talking about it. <laughs> I know, man. I, yeah. I feel the same. Yeah. No, it's 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 a truly phenomenal ending. It it's a it's a perfect ending. It, it really is. I let's uh let's move on to the categories. We can keep this conversation going and, and just kind of fit it in different slots and holes. So uh, we're gonna start things off with we've been doing nothing but glowing praise. So now it's time for a little bit of criticism. This is the zippity doodah moment for what's aged the worst. It happened on one of them zippity doodah days. So I. I will, I'll start with, uh, I, I, we're, we're going to have to address the elephant in the room for sure. Uh, I'll start with a little more, I don't know if this is fun necessarily. I will say that uh, this is specifically a criticism, I think, for what, for this adaptation. This, this, the film iteration of this is that for all of his genius and all of the praise that Lin-Manuel Miranda absolutely unquestionably deserves, there could have been a better performer in this role. Uh, he's he's amazing. He's amazing. He's wonderful. I actually think he's a pretty darn good actor. He's a fine singer, and he's a he's fine a good, rapper. But I think he's a good rapper. I think fine is is where I would draw the line on his singing ability. His singing's think, not great, and I think specifically in this performance. So these, I, I think what happens. Okay, I, I I'm maybe projecting myself as an actor on this a little bit, but. Sure that I know of, these were three of what they thought were going to be their last performances in these roles. Is that correct? It was well, June of 2016. Well, right. But at the time, I think he thought he was stepping away. I, I might have that slightly wrong. But he was already gone. Jonathan Groff was already gone. They brought him back specifically. Okay. To so I think what happens a little bit in this performance that we watch is that Lin-Manuel Miranda, the man, gets in the head of the character a little too much and in his weepiest moments is like overly emotional. And I think there's certain moments where he's like scene crying and his pitch is horrible. And it's like absolutely the weakest part of the entire show. And it's not even close. I, I think there, it's like when his son dies, like, Eliza, my, and it's, it's bad. It's like actually bad. And, and <laughs> the problem is he's, he is totally Lin-Manuel Miranda is coming through instead of Hamilton. And like, objectively when you're trying to like in musical theater when you're trying to show that you're crying there are other ways and the other actors in the show do it to show that you're sad to show that you're emotional than to actually cry while you're singing because crying messes with your diaphragm and it messes with your pitch and it messes with your breath and so that's my like super nitpicky thing that i do not think has aged well it took me out on the first watch it will take me out more and more each time i watch it anytime lin-manuel miranda sing cries it's actually bad and that's the only negative Thing you will hear me say about the the actual craftsmanship of of this musical thoughts am i am i way too critical or is that fair <laughs> uh, i mean you have to get nitpicky because there aren't very many flaws uh so i mean i agree that i think i think lynn is is not the strongest singer i think he knows he's not the strongest singer i think i totally agree better. i bet if he was on this podcast he'd be like yep fair like yeah i, I totally and agree. Yeah. earlier if he didn't he would have taken burr and he would have ruined the whole show absolutely absolutely and yep. and he, you know from the get-go he knew he was playing hamilton and he 100%. wrote hamilton in what he knew he could do so there's hamilton's not a hard 
track for singing no. for rapping definitely totally. uh but and, and for he's acting, a pretty good course. rapper yeah but but uh yeah i mean you know burr and all the others definitely have the, the singing parts written for them because he knew uh and that being said i mean i respect lynn because it's something that he acknowledges he's not the best at and it's something that he has improved upon if you go back and listen to his singing in, in the heights he's much totally. better oh, uh, yeah, and this and uh and and the last uh, just to kind of touch on that as well um you know i think all of the performers that's probably one of my favorite not to go back to the favorite things but uh just the fact that you sing it live um you can tell these performers are working and you can tell that they are um this is an eight 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 show a week you know, uh, uh, show for them. And so yes. this is just a performance and they cannot put it all in like they do for the, for the cast recording, which we all listen to and love. Yes. That is a blow your voice out, give it all performance yes. there. This is a, Hey, I got, I have another show tonight. This is the matinee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and you can see it with Renee, you can see it with, uh, with Philippa and it's, it's just, it's, it's it's a masterclass in how to preserve yet perform and and just give it all totally uh, but still reserve <laughs> yeah and uh yeah 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 so that's 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 fantastic um yeah i guess i'll talk about the elephant and the room i was about then. to say let's let, yeah I'll, I'll be the one who officially pitches it so yeah uh, unquestionably I, I recently saw Lin-Manuel Miranda say that um, the musical hasn't changed. Art doesn't change. The political climate has changed. And I, I think that that's a, right. a, a very fair thing to say. But it, it it does definitely, especially considering that it was released earlier, at least in part because of the uh, increased focus on the Black Lives Matter movement, that the way this handles slavery and romanticizes, I think, a bit Hamilton's... Uh, role in trying to be an abolitionist is is definitely not something that has aged well shall we say yeah sure and and yes and i mean i know that you know there's going to be people out there arguing saying it's fiction it's fantasy and that's very true um but i still think that there is a responsibility when you're making something uh like this and and, and you know i said this in a, in a post on 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 social media as well but i i love the show i will never not love this show and i i, I don't blame a single person working on the show because they don't know the future and they don't know what's going to be important in five years uh isn't really necessarily on our minds five years ago sure. that's not to say it wasn't important then it's just you know it wasn't um blown up to the magnitude that it is now and right um and so it's it's you know that's that's art and the next project you know uh, I I have no doubt that Lynn will be more conscious of all of these things and uh, so does it does it like destroy the show for me not at all it's still a masterpiece and it's uh, you know you just have to take it with a grain of salt and know that these are romanticized I think romanticized is the perfect word for it uh, versions of of these of these men specifically yes. uh founding the country and whatnot yeah i mean in that that for me if i can <clears throat> hoist myself up on my stool of privilege for a second um and talk about, <laughs> talk about the, the white man's perspective please um, yeah you know what we just don't hear that enough like yeah <laughs> i 100 percent uh agree with everything that's been said um and and with the criticisms i find it 100 percent valid but but to me um, I do kind of lean back on the, on the fact that it is fiction and it, and it is 
you know, to me, what I'm taking from it is not the people, it's the message. Uh, it's, it's, it's what was actually fought for by difficult men. Um, and, and I do think that there are some difficulties in the show, specifically with Alexander Hamilton, that are left in. I do feel like a lot of those flaws are right in your face. Yes. Um, and, and there are difficult things discussed in it. Um, but, but I do think that, that the message, it, when dealing with something like fiction, uh, is so deep, the messages that are in the show that, that I understand the criticism. I agree with the criticism, but at the same point, they're trying to convey this. And I don't know how they would have really addressed it and kept the core intact. That's, sure. that's so there there apparently was a musical number actually at one point that really addressed it head on and it was cut for time i'm not sure exactly at what point in the process that was but that has recently come to light and you know i think i i think that so like being a human's hard right (laughs) um i think that it is okay to simultaneously ask more of a piece of art and recognize that it is not giving what you're asking for it all in one breath. And that reconciliation is an important part of being a human and also part of art criticism. And this, so like, I don't know that like a star is born has any kind of obligation to address slavery because it's about these two white singers trying to be stars and being born, I think. Um, This is specifically about the founding fathers and the American experience. And as has been said, you know, by Lin-Manuel Miranda himself, it's the story of America then told by America now. And that is the difference. That is why it's fair to ask of this piece, to to call this piece out a little bit for falling short there than uh, than as other pieces, because that's the criticism I've seen is like, well, you're why are you talking about that with this? And it's like, well, because this is the that's kind of piece of art that you maybe expect to actually address that a little bit. And when Manuel Miranda has said that the casting process was to show these people as underdogs and as an oppressed yes, people yes. by King George, showing that in a minority, but they're depicting people who. who in real life for owning minorities. Well, like, and like, like women get the awesome line of when I meet Thomas Jefferson, I'm going to tell him to add women in the sequel, you know, yeah. and slaves do not have that voice in this period, you know, very and, little, well, I mean, very I mean, little. There, John there, Lawrence. there are, yes, there are other characters who reference it, but there, right. there is not a character in this who, who historically is right. a, is a black right. person yes. representing yes. that voice. And that's what is yeah. missing kind of into discussion it didn't that's what it doesn't age well right i mean yeah yes. so yes. uh let's <laughs> c- hey, continue quick, but, yes no please quick. justin uh, please. no no and, and on a different topic it's the shortest thing yes but i just wanted to say you were talking about uh things that were cut for time and i don't know if you've looked it up ben but since you're so new to this i'm sure do you write like you're it. running out of time yeah <laughs> i do uh uh there's a uh there's a full uh length uh retort to john adams that hamilton originally yes. had <gasps> in the mixtape uh and yes. so instead of sit down john you fat you know yeah, whatever, yeah. and then move on it's like a whole thing uh so you should go look that up ben because it's pretty great that's incredible you know what this oh, this is you also this is a fair thing to bring up in this category there was much much hubbub about the censorship shall we say of the oh. removal of the of the the fucks um yes and yes 
I have to say, actually, comedically, I thought it was funnier <laughs> when he drops it and it radio bleeps it. I I don't know. That, like, man, out of this is what's aged the worst. I think for some people that aged bad, but I actually thought if you're going to censor it, that was a funny yeah. way to do it. I, I, I don't know. I liked that. I I'm not about censoring yeah. art in general, but... I thought that moment was funny. I don't know. And that it's supposed one, to be funny. That one actually, is, I, I believe, is censored all the time. Sean, oh, you can, you can speak oh, to well, that because well, you there saw you the go. show. But never mind but then. Okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> there's two other moments where they did bleep the the, the fucks. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to move on to sadness. It's buzzkill question. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. So this is, uh, you know, sadness from inside out. What kind of plot holes, unanswerable questions, etc.? She might point out, and for the first time ever, I don't personally have any. I, I don't think there is a plot hole to this. You guys can disagree with me. I don't even have like a a nitpicky question to ask about this. Do you guys I mean, have one? Please, please bail me out because I've no, thought about I, this and I don't. I no. mean, you know, there, there's just the small, small thing of of like if we're getting so nitpicky with it, like you know, you please. never see Peggy again, yep. and that's obviously I'm because right Peggy's okay. gone they reference Lafayette at least uh that's nice but you know all the all the big people from the first act have Are to switch characters gone. into the second act so you just kind of Peggy being them. gone is a pr- good example yeah because like what he goes the Skyler sisters and it's like minus Peggy like, like yeah that is weird I agree I agree yeah. and of course it's because she's getting a costume to be um I'm blanking on her name the woman he has an affair with uh of course it's um, not there but yeah. Yes. Mariah uh, yes. Reynolds. Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. Reynolds. Mariah yes. Reynolds. Uh, Sean, do you have any? Gosh, like what a good, what a good movie. What a good musical. I <laughs> so um, few bottles. <laughs> I mean, not not really. Um, honestly, honestly, what I love is because Ben and I's fathers are history teachers. We've absorbed some of that, and I don't know Ben if your dad's kind of gone into what happens to burr after this oh yes yeah it's like the first thing it's the first broadway musical where i could legitimately see a sequel like i, I want to see that story i, I want to see burr in mexico trying to declare himself emperor like yep i i don't necessarily i wouldn't say that i'm asking for the sequel but i agree with you that like if 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 lin-manuel miranda feels compelled I yeah. would absolutely check that sequel. Research what what happens. I, he goes bananas. Yeah, it, I had no idea. Now I want this. Oh no no, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Killing Hamilton breaks him. Yeah, like it. it yeah, it, it yeah. breaks you him. Get that, you get yeah, that he introduced sure. himself as Aaron Burr. Uh, I shot my good friend Alexander Hamilton. He would introduce himself as yeah. that person. Yeah, like it becomes his identity. He said he was an enemy of him to the day he died. Like, look so, at him. So your buzz, your buzzkill question is that the musical didn't have a third act, basically. <laughs> but, but it's kind of like, like that's the one moment where Burr, where Burr is portrayed in that what we talked about is so great about him as not a completely evil person. Right. But when at the end of it, when he's like, and now I'm the villain in your story, and and like um, just because I tried to take one shot, it's like, no, bro, like you have a whole second act to your life. Yep. That is just it, it disqualifies you from being romanticized. <laughs> you're not, you're not a romantically, tragically misunderstood person. You're yeah. a hungry tool. Like, yeah. 
there's there's where you're like all right so speaking of characters this is now time for the mr potato head award hey ham look i'm picasso i don't get it you uncultured swine what are you looking at for the character who does the most with the least this one's hard for so many reasons yeah yeah I, i know my this guy doesn't really count but we haven't talked about him yet and i think it's it's criminal that we haven't. So I am going to submit to you, George Washington. I, I think the the moment that George Washington is introduced, I I become physically hyped up when I'm watching it. I like I feel my chest puffing out, and I'm like, to this is such a great uh, great example of writing, but really also perfect casting, and just it just what an incredible performance. But I think that George Washington's role in this is so important because he is America's, you know, first father figure. He is the founding father to the founding fathers. Hamilton is an orphan. Aaron Burr is an orphan. His role in this is so integral. And and Jackson's performance of of Washington is truly uh, yes, it, it it's breathtaking. His yeah. the song where, uh, about the farewell address. One last time. Mm-hmm. this was another moment where I had to physically wipe tears off of my face when yeah. I watched it the first time. I was so blown away by it. And it, Washington it so, would be the role I, I would want to play. You, you can like, make, oh, sure. Man. Yeah, what a role yeah. to sink yeah. your teeth into. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I think um, also interesting is that uh, with the exception of Lin-Manuel Miranda himself, this, this actor is in real life about 10 years older than almost all the other actors. And so like they deliberately did cast someone who, would be a little bit of a father figure in, you know, in a fourth wall breaking, you know, morale yeah. building way. And also gosh, helps have a standing relationship cannot, cannot tell you how thankful I am that that performance was committed to film. So feel free to argue with me that that is too big of a role for the Mr. Potato Head Award. But if you're just asking me dollars for donuts, you know, like the, the, uh, who has the best batting average that that's the role for me. It's unreal. It's absolutely unreal. Yeah, um, I, I would I would agree. I think he's the person who gets overlooked the most. Um, I would think the role's a little too big, and and just sure. from my own like, I love that role, so I'm kind of biased in that way. Um, I've already said Jonathan Grout. I mean, he's literally yep. in 15 minutes and steals Gosh. every second. So every okay, the, I thought I had the second time I was watching this. Someone needs to take King George's. Maybe I will do this. King George's song, the first one, I, I and record it as as a the Smiths song because it's like this weird obsessive love song, and I would love to hear it in the style of the Smiths. <laughs> I, 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 uh, yes, I agree. Jonathan Groff, uh, yeah. who who's going to get no love? I believe the actor's name is Thane Jasperson. But he is the person who plays Samuel Seabury, who does the Farmer's Refute. He's also sure. General Charles Lee. Um, sure. and He's also one of the only white actors in the show. Yes. yes. Um, but I think I think he does. I think he does very well. Yeah. Look the- at Sean. Sean. Sean's picks are the two white actors. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny i didn't yeah, even mean it yeah. like that you know uh sean i know this is an audio podcast so people can't see the hood you're wearing in the zoom call well, I would also <laughs> okay. okay well here we go i'll, 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 I'll that. um i think jasmine stephens jones needs a shout out too she's peggy and mariah sure. reynolds and and mariah reynolds Woo! that same note of this is 
Yeah. One of the sexiest musical songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Justin, who's your... Uh... So, I, you know, my, I think you're all right, but I will say that I think all, every single one of those characters, maybe with the Samuel Seabury exception, um, are, still, are still too major. And, and I, I would say that um, I think I'm going to change the question wording just a little bit. Sure, it's, not sure. about, it's not about screen time or, or lines given, uh, but rather uh, popularity of, of the show because everybody knows those characters. I think what really, what really, blew my mind with what they were given uh is just the ensemble the the as as a whole uh, wow the, the back great answer. the back great answer the background yeah. actors who who are doing these fan phenomenal choreography uh, just like all the singing i mean these guys are non-stop on stage yes. um and and they're running around and i i mean having worked as an ensemble before i know it's the, it's hardest it's the hardest thing in the show absolutely uh, ensemble like easy choreography either wa- walking that line of being interesting but not calling attention to yourself is so exactly hard. so hard. exactly and working as a unit yes and and just i mean f- specifically just for helpless and dissatisfied on its own, they deserve this award. I, I agree with that. A, a, a good ensemble, it's like the offensive line of of a musical, right? It's it's like you only notice that the left tackle is bad. You never notice yeah. when the left tackle's when good. Doing great. You only yeah, notice yeah. when your quarterback's on his ass because he got drilled by the defensive end three plays in a row. And right. a good ensemble is like that. It's a thankless job. You're right. That's an excellent answer. I normally do the Stan Lee Award for best cameo, but I don't really know that there's a cameo worth oh justin oh, has one justin. my only uh, all i wanted to say was jonathan groff's spit uh ah, deserves this, a is cameo. The right answer. this is the right answer he's oh, literally man. frothing at the mouth uh jonathan groff more like jonathan Groth. Right? <laughs> yeah yeah i loved that interpretation by the way like i listened to, to you'll be back over and over i'm a comedian like i'm of course i'm gonna go to that song but i love that he was a sociopath like yeah. he was just completely disconnected and dead-eyed and hardly moved and it was just so fascinating some of the choices everyone made that's my favorite thing is is the choices everyone makes are spot on and perfect and just down the line yes absolutely yeah <laughs> so the stanley award for for jonathan groff's th- froth uh, yeah. Okay, next up, this one's a weird one for this one. But the, the Boba Fett Award for coolest toy that could be made for this movie. How about an a- Alexander Hamilton Aaron Burr laser tag set? Uh, <laughs> yes, that's so good. I was gonna say Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but they have to like walk ten paces apart first. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it's got to be something dual centric. I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, maybe like some kind of like uh, augmented reality cell phone game that's a dual game would be interesting as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah but uh, you have to go through all 10 steps you have to you go have through to, like, all 10 you have to get your friend involved to, to yeah and, and weirdly the weirdly the, the music is actually biggie's uh 10 crack instead of the uh, <laughs> actual song from the musical um yeah so that's that's my pick there uh, if you were to build a theme park attraction for disney based around this what would it be something i want to say my whole life i'm going to disney world <laughs> can i go with you, yeah, you everybody i i think it has to be some sort of kind of like the, the Weird Al polka medley. It has to be a stage show. It has to be yeah, like I wouldn't even say that. Like, like it, I, I don't know if anyone has been to Disney recently, um, but I went. I've gone within the last year and a half, and they have a Frozen ride there 
which is essentially like a log flume. Well, it, it's an Epcot, right? It used to be the, the Sweden ride, right, and now it's been reskinned. Oh. It's frozen, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. A yeah. little bit, but but it, it's been but it's basically you go through the whole movie, and then at the end there's a little dip. Like you could do something along those lines. There's also one of the Pandora rides um, is a log float where you're just basically going through Pandora and seeing all the creatures around you. So you sure, sure. Do Some kind of actual ride we're seeing it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'd buy it being like a like a like a Pirates of the Caribbean type ride. Yeah. You know, you get a little bit of action. You get all of the music as you kind of go from room I, to room. I think the key ingredient has to be it's some sort of short distillation of what the musical is, right? I mean, it has to be yes. some version of that because it's so integral to what a masterpiece it actually is. Sure. Yeah, if this were a, this is funny because it's actually a musical, but just in particular, if this were adapted to be an animated, like Disney Renaissance era musical, what number would you be the most excited to see? Uh, particularly, I guess what I mean is to be enhanced by the freedoms that are given to you by animation. I, mm. For me, it's helpless. I, I, I can't imagine, as cool as that is live and seeing the way they integrate the Revolve and everything, I, I can't imagine oh, what you would satisfied? be able to do. You I'm sorry? Helpless and satisfied together? or um, Helpless is the I guess. I guess, yes, I guess both. But yes, you're right. I guess, I guess if I have to pick the specific, you're right. I, in my head, they're like, the same song yes. i guess satisfied is the specific moment that i'm the most excited about but helpless into satisfied animated showing them meeting showing them falling in love showing the different perspectives animated and again it's it's absolutely perfect as it is i i, I but to see what like a truly free animator could do with that gift that that incredible eight minutes of music would be so cool i would just love to see that what what are what moments you guys would like to see in a, a i would probably be the battle of bark town oh in my brain they're all dogs because it's a disney <laughs> so, yeah i think the battle of yorktown would just be fascinating i think i think just yeah. open it up and see actually what was going on would be would be really interesting yeah that would be mine too actually um but since you took it i'll say a close second would be hurricane uh, oh, just yeah. to oh, kind of see sure um how because you know how they do that in the on the stage yeah. with you know I, I would love to see something like kind of like what you said ben have have the freedom of animation and see what they could do to enhance that rumor it happens would be really interesting too because of that song oh my gosh that's the answer there. because yeah. you that's that's similar to it's not because we're so much more complicated but yes. that's the closest we get to a be prepared um mm -hmm. poor unfortunate souls kind of song and much like Be Prepared, you know, sometimes in those villain songs, the animation just goes, I'm thinking of like Princess and the Frog, for example, the animation uh, just goes wild. And yeah. Room Where It Happened, animated, that's the right answer, Sean. That could be so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, someone who is an animator should just do that. Like, if you listen to this podcast, which you don't, oh, we, have like, we have like nine listeners. But like, if you're, if you are a professional animator, do that you'll your your video will be so much more popular than this well, podcast. It's a conversation <laughs> with like that's the most amazing part i agree is, is everyone you really understand it when you see it live that's all in burr's head well Every, it's a, it's such an interesting take on the i want song it, you know yeah. it, it, it's mm -hmm. it's such a well, like yeah. a postmodern spin on the well, i the want song. response is him he yeah that to himself yes and that, that's the moment where it clicked i want to be in the room where it happens it's the moment where he finally starts being proactive because he he has that moment with himself 
if if this weren't based on history then like i think like a legitimate interpretation of of hamilton would be that this is a fight club scenario and that alexander <laughs> hamilton is is aaron burst tyler durden <laughs> <laughs> That's really uh, all right so uh we're starting to wrap up uh casting remixing what ifs etc i will say that i did find that chris jackson was initially unavailable and the actor who plays hercules mulligan and uh, James Madison was almost George Washington. And then at the last second, Chris Jackson, like, thankfully, just because again, you know, I, I'm blown, blown away by him, was like, you know what? Actually, I am available for this. And yeah, uh, I, I don't want to butcher his name, so I won't. But the actor who does play Hercules Mulligan is. Still oh, he rules. Actually, probably Hercules Mulligan, Mulligan should have been in a, a Mr. Potato Ass Head. Crazy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Totally agree. And no, no hate. But I think specifically my point that. Chris Jackson's a little bit older in real life and what that did to the the meta aspect of this musical would have been lost had you cast that younger actor so uh, my mm -hmm. only other casting what if and uh, maybe this is a lazy one in my head this is an interesting answer but maybe everyone has had this thought is that Lin-Manuel Miranda we have we have sung his praises he wrote the thing he deserves all the credit in the world I would have I would be very curious to see uh, Donald Glover in in his as Alexander Hamilton instead of Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, keep the entire cast the same, but give me uh, Donald Glover. I would be very intrigued mm -hmm. to see that personally. Do you guys have any casting uh, what ifs or what, what well, you would this is, It's not even a what if, but this is what I, are you guys aware of who replaced Jonathan Groff? Oh, uh, Taryn Killam from SNL, right? No, oh, so it was, it was Brian. Andrew Rannells was the first oh, one yeah. to do it. Oh. And then Taryn Killam did it. It's been, it's been, reshuffled through i know brian yeah. darcy james did it as well at one point yes yeah oh, awesome they pretty much given all of the nerds like who would you want to see play king george theater nerds who, i, I will say like do it? a younger time travel recast of that one dana carvey in that role would be really great <laughs> i would i would love to see Sing it, but yes I don't. Be, I don't know how good his singing voice is. I truly don't know. So but funny. as a performer, Dana Carvey in that would be truly stunning. Okay, sure. so best quotes. Let's try to not have this podcast is already so long. Let's try not to have this be. I'm sorry, Justin. Did you have a, a cast? No, that's good. Oh, okay. I just wanted to say my quote. Um, yes, because yes, yes, there are. There <laughs> this are could so go many. on for another full hour. There are, but yes, Justin. So what is many, what is your favorite I, I quote? It down. My favorite one, I think, out of all of it, is just the. Uh, 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 it, it, it's a very, I think it's the very last song. Um, yeah, the world is wide enough. I guess the second to last song. Uh, Hamilton in that frozen moment says the line, "A legacy. What is a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see." Um, Truly, incredible. that that simple, just that one. I mean, obviously, there's there's so many others that kind of surround it as well. But that imagery for me, uh, that 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 was one of the many 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 things but uh that one really stuck with me for the last five years and whatnot because because I, I i'd say that as a as an artist i am i'm also very uh uh you know a bit maybe too obsessed with the idea of legacy as well yeah and uh and the idea that you know you're going to uh um create things that uh change people's lives in ways you don't even you'll never know um so right. you know in in little ways like like sean i didn't know sean listened to my podcast now is that yeah. life-changing for sean obviously not but still <laughs> i, I you know nice. this is great totally 
I, there's a, a, a funny line that's one of my favorite lines for like for comedic purposes, which is don't modulate with me and then not to uh, don't modulate the key and then not debate me. That is yeah, yeah. maybe the funniest lyric of the entire <laughs> I, that fourth wall breaking. Wow. I, I, I think this show does such a good job. I, maybe it's pretentious that I throw this term around so much, but like it is a very postmodern musical. It's a very 21st century, like very self-aware musical. And I think that with all things that break the fourth wall and are self-referential, et cetera, like uh, Rick and Morty comes to mind as a recent thing that, you know, like it, it's a very, very delicate line to tightrope walk. You, you, you very quickly steer into just pretentious alienating territory. And that's, that's just a great use of breaking the fourth wall. And then I think I already mentioned this, but just specifically the thing that really resonated with me was I imagine death so much. It feels like a memory and how much I related to that. And I actually, as I was watching this, um, not that long ago, I watched this really great YouTube docuseries on the life of Jim Henson on um, it's, it's from the, the defunct land uh, channel, which defunct land absolutely rules. It's this YouTube series that like is all about, it's a docuseries about theme park attractions that are no longer in existence, like Jaws the Ride and things like that. And okay. he did, he did a docuseries on the life of and death of Jim Henson. And Jim Henson, his brother died when he was really young. And Jim Henson became just completely obsessed with this idea that like he was running out of time. And people in Jim Henson's life were constantly like, why do you keep making art as if you're running out of time? And he was like, I actually feel like I'm running out of time. I actually feel like I'm living on borrowed time. And Jim Henson tragically died when he was like, I think 54 years old. And we, Jim Henson would still be alive making stuff right now, you know? And I, I saw the parallels between these two people who, uh, you know, I, I admire and, and, and look at and, and Jim Henson is one of, for me personally, one of the most inspirational figures in, in all of history. I absolutely love Jim Henson. And I partially because I project myself onto him and I project myself onto Alexander Hamilton. And I just found that idea of death being something you've already experienced to be so powerful. And again, hippy dippy, sorry, but like, that's what made me truly feel like this was like a for me, this was a transcendent a spiritual experience. Was like actually feeling like space and time stood still. And I understood in a way everything that's come before me and everything that will come in after. And it, it's like, if art is not that, like so much of humanity is just writing your name on a cave wall, you know, and, and just hoping that something about you echoes longer than your actual heartbeat. And this is just a, a crowning achievement and crystallizing that and instilling that incredibly human experience so uh sean favorite quotes um i think for me i mean comedically you don't get better than than uh when push comes to shove i'll kill your friends and family oh to... yes uh, that's the moment yeah. that would be so good as a smith song I'm also like, yeah I'm when like, push comes to shove i'll kill your friends and family you know like yeah <laughs> um but the the line that's always um <clears throat> that's always kind of impacted me um, was the pushback on the feeling, you know, that you're running out of time. And, and to me, the tragedy of Hamilton, um, because he never listened to the advice uh, is, is dying as easy young man living his heart. Oh my gosh. That's one of my favorites that as well. Hurt. He's so scared of dying through that whole thing. He's so worried about death and death yes. feels like a memory. All he's thinking about is I'm going to be gone. And I have to do all these things that he missed out on so much of his life. He missed out not listening to George Washington, not listening to Eliza. Take a break. Wouldn't that be right. enough? Like, and don't you think it's deliberate that we don't see his other children? I think that's very deliberately right. written that right. we don't see his family because he didn't see his family. Because he didn't yeah. see his family. Yeah. And, and just that. Heartbreaking. Just, 
living and dying like a martyr, dying, living, dying as easy young man, living as hard. And I and also love the callback of um, fighting a war is easy, governing is harder, I believe yes. is the line. Mm-hmm. And fighting is easy. Fighting is easy, governing is harder. I, that callback, yeah, I agree, Sean. That's such a great moment and such a good glimpse at what it's about. So yeah, let's start to wrap up. I've got just like a little bit of trivia. I bet you guys have some interesting trivia. We've kind of sprinkled some trivia throughout. And I mean, like, seriously, I could talk about this for a whole nother hour, but I don't want this to be the longest podcast ever recorded in the history of podcasts. Uh, although maybe it should be because this thing rules. So I, I, I have been looking up, especially interviews with Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I, I did find a really interesting thing that like the very first, not, not the very first scene, but I guess the first scene with multiple characters that's telling story in the tavern with Hercules and Lafayette, the rap that they are doing is deliberately done in a like 1980s Run DMC yeah. Sugar Hill Gang style of, well, it is the closest we get to, my name's Hamilton and I'm here to say, the Constitution <laughs> yeah. is really great. And it's deliberate because what he wants to show is that Hamilton is actually thinking ahead of the curve, ahead of time and causing up other people to catch up to him and adapt the way that they see the world. And so he immediately starts rapping in reference to, in that era of, uh, like, I, I believe if I remember correctly from the interview, he's that moment, he's trying to call to Tupac and Biggie and like 90s hip hop, because he's like a whole decade ahead of what they're trying to do. And I thought yeah. that's incredibly cool. I love that. And, it's genius. Uh, and this is specifically, this is cool trivia because it's for the movie and not the musical uh, in general is that, there's a special thanks in the credit to all of the places that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote the musical, including like specific trains he wrote and things like that, which is really cool. And it took him seven years to write, which is, I mean, wow. Wow. It's it's understandable, but also as a creative person, if you told me something was going to take me seven years to write, like what I admire is the, the, commitment to the art and the dis- like yeah. if you told me something's gonna take me seven years to write i might not start it you know and that that's right. incredible and there are a total of twenty thousand five hundred and twenty words crammed into the lyrics of hamilton wow twenty thousand five hundred and twenty that is more chairs than there are in the sprint center and uh so i'm sorry as of recording this the t-mobile center and uh that comes to 144 and even gross Words per minute, 144 words per minute. That's absolutely insane. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm blown away. 20,000 is, that counts as a novel. The actual threshold to be a novel as opposed to a novella is 20,000 words. So there is an entire, and, like Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises in this two and a half hour musical. Insane. <laughs> fantastic. And, 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 and keep, keep in mind too, I mean, Yes, as an artist, like thinking about the fact that you're gonna be working for seven years on something, but also keep in mind he had just come off of his big win within the Heights. He's on vacation right, and he's what? reading a book, yes. and he <laughs> instantly gets this idea. It's like, dude, you are handled. I mean, like you're Chill, my guy. writing. Yeah, of Chill. course he saw himself in this character, right? <laughs> well, uh, and like, am I wrong? Wasn't he the youngest or like one of the couple youngest ever to write the best? Uh, yeah. I, I, the, Musical, he won yeah. I think he was 24 like or something like he, that like he was in his mid to late 20s it's insane yeah yeah insane. and he looks it too I mean he looks like a baby boy when you see yeah. him up on those shoulders on the Tony stage yeah. <laughs> compared to now incredible yeah. so um, yeah the one for me is um 
I, I, I'm, I may be wrong on when she got it, but Renee Elise Goldsberry, who played Angelica Schuyler, was not originally going to audition for the role. She thought she had yes. another job and got the song. It, I believe it was the day before her audition. Yes, this is and true. And Miranda, when he heard her walking in, had only gotten to the day before, was kind of like, okay, like, I feel bad for her. Let's see what happens. And she apparently came in and did it perfectly. Like, because just of course. nailed it. And I also heard in an interview, in addition to that, the that audition went so well that while she was performing, he was writing new lyrics on a napkin or like a scrap of paper and handed them to her in the <laughs> middle of her audition. Again, give her all of the money and resources she needs to do whatever creative project she wants to next. Yes. Come on. Unreal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, carbon. So, yes. Oh, my gosh. That oh, my God. I that thought incredible. that was her. I she, thought that I mean, was her. It is her. It is her. I'm it just is? saying, like, let's get, oh. like, let's do an altered carbon. Yes. Something where, else where, with her. Where, well, or okay. I thought you were saying even like somehow make her, you know, because of the premise of altered comment, which this is oh, what the podcast oh, oh, is oh, about. Oh, oh. Make her the titular, you know, uh, well, not titular, but uh, the yes, give her, give her yeah. the, give her control of altered no, carbon, I agree. please. Uh, yes. Yes. All right. So. Thank you guys so much for talking Hamilton with me. I'm sure throughout the next week, we'll just be keep texting each other more and more stuff that we wish we would have said, even though this is like a two hour podcast. Um, please plug, plug your pluggables. Uh, you know, Justin, you've got a podcast. Sean, you're an amazing standup comic. Uh, please uh, plug, plug things that you want people to, to know about and how they can find more of you. Justin. Yeah, if I if I may, I have just a few. Um, uh, I, since Corona stuff started, I've I've started a few new enterprises as well. So I have MC Who, of course, which you can find uh, MC Who Podcast uh, on Twitter and Instagram at MC Who Podcast. Um, I've also started a YouTube channel called Nerd Nachos. I didn't realize um, this. Yeah, yeah, it's just a bunch of nerdy stuff that I do, including different art and different like reviews. I, it's it's very brand new, so there's only like a couple of videos up right now, Ooh. but I'm still working on it and kind of putting out new content regularly. Uh, but that's Nerd Nachos. And then finally, um, I have an actual play uh, show on YouTube and Twitch um, where I, along with some other theater artists, get together and basically uh, do a, a, it's a, it's a tabletop role-playing game called, uh, called um, Threadbare, um, but we kind of put it in like hour-long increments and play live. Um, and so it's a, it, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's called Ghostlight Gamers. Um, and uh, you can find that on Twitter and Instagram at GhostlightKC or just go on YouTube and look up Ghostlight Gamers and you can uh, catch up to the story on there. We're about like seven episodes in now. So that rules. So, yeah, nice. so check out all that stuff. Uh, you know, Justin is a, a stage actor, and that has been impacted wildly by COVID. So please support this incredible human being, Sean. An, an, as a stand-up comic, another person whose yeah. livelihood has been uh, shaken up. Uh, man, uh, do I relate? Plug, plug your pluggables. Uh, I'm on YouTube. You can find me, Sean Brennan. Comedian generally gets you to me. Um, I also, we're, they're finally starting to open things up, I guess. I mean, we'll, we'll see how long that actually. Right. As of recording this three consecutive days um, of, of death tolls rising, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But I have performed at and, and probably will be within the next couple months, uh, the comedy club of Kansas city. It's on, uh, it's in between Warnell and state line, uh, at about 110th. It's a great club. They do everything they can to socially distance right now. They're operating about a third capacity. So the tables can be completely spread out. That's awesome. 
Uh, if you're able or willing to go, please come out and support live venues that you can. Um, it's it's really a, the only way that a lot of these small businesses are going to stick around is, is if we try to help them as much as we can right to our international listeners there you know we have so many of them well worth the the ticket price to fly to america for that yeah we'll we'll see what happens after this whole thing is done but yeah I mean, but comedy club of kansas city please if you can support as much as you can Yes, and Sean, I'll um at the end of this episode, I'll I'll uh we'll end on a, a little clip of some of your stand up if that's uh, with your permission, yeah. if that's cool. Let's um, do it. Yeah, and then also yeah, again, please check out my MC Who podcast. Um, I I am currently as a recording this unemployed. I, I have a Patreon. It's uh, Ben Went B E N W E N D T. Look me up. Um, any any money is awesome. Uh, I'll I'll take it. I I also have another uh podcast that's an a Kansas City based local music podcast Ope Radio O P E exclamation point Radio. It's an hour long podcast with about ten or it's exactly ten songs every episode, and it's all Kansas City and Lawrence based musicians. So check that out and tell your friends about this. And uh, yeah, so Justin and Sean, thank you guys so much for coming on and talking Hamilton. Is when I. I knew we were going to do an episode and then both of you guys came to mind immediately because I was like, these yes. two guys love this. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> thank you so much. I, I had so much fun. I miss you guys. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, man. All right. Well, uh, that's all for now. We'll have some more coming up. I think that I believe the next episode is going to be Avatar. The, <gasps> the yeah, uh, not, not technically Disney, but technically on Disney Plus. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Fern Goalie for uh, for grownups, also known as that. So, On the air, <laughs> flag for the Princess Bride. I'm doing it. So okay, it. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, oh my gosh, I love you so much. But yeah, um, so thank and you. Airbud. Oh, of course, Airbud. Uh, there's the whole spinoff <laughs> podcast with Airbud. So uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, bye. <laughs> That's the end of the three hour long podcast. It's, it's, there's no ending. Uh, why, do, why do you pod like you're running out of time? <laughs> the worst one right. is little bastards. I had a 16-year-old kid walk up to me, look me dead in the eyes, and he asked me what Vietnam was like. <laughs> I'm 33. <laughs> so I told him, you know, it was weird. Showed up the first day. No one wanted to sit next to me on the bus. Then I met this cool guy named Bubba. He kind of had a big leg. Then me and Bubba went to Vietnam. I saluted Lieutenant Dan. He was like, don't do that. There's snipers all in the woods. And then I started learning, walking. Started raining. We walked everywhere. It was raining up, down. It was raining from the sideways. It stopped raining. Once bombs went off. Something, baby! Long story short, I saved my entire platoon. Bubba lost. Lieutenant Dan lost his legs and Bubba died in my arms. Now, a lot of you were laughing through that whole thing because you've seen Forrest Gump and you realize that that's a joke. That kid thinks I'm a fucking war hero. <laughs>